Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. Welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. This is Nasser Pasha. This is Matt Stahl. And welcome to our business legal podcast where we cover business in the news and also answer some of your business legal questions that you have graciously sent in to our podcast at ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com, including a question from someone we know that is in San Diego that... <laughs> Oh wait, that's a, that's, that's a different, that's not today, that's a different episode. That's uh, well, if they're listening, then uh, we'll address their question later in the week. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they sent it a question, not by email though, which I guess they can do. They can stalk us and write a note and fold it and then hand it to us. That's one way to do it. Well, it wasn't a note either, but he did, he or she just said, "Hey, I have a question for you," and I said, "Okay," and they told me it, and. I call and this is actually it was actually last week it's actually like three weeks ago I think maybe the last time I saw them and three weeks ago and then geez. I said hey you know what I'm gonna actually use your question this week if you're fine with that I'll keep you anonymous and they said okay that's fine so that was a great story we should give a clue of who it is like we should give a clue that it's it's a male well, maybe we'll decide on how we want to handle it when we get to Friday okay all right <laughs> let's just go to Friday now uh well I'm so excited. We have something that's less exciting, I guess, to talk about today. All this right. deals with the FMLA, which, for those of you that don't know, is the Family and Medical Leave Act. Basically, what this story comes down to is this, is you can make FMLA claims, and it typically deals with, I think that probably one of the biggest issues of this is usually um, pregnancy leave or things like yeah. that. I mean, that's that's usually when the FMLA gets brought up, but this deals with headaches, and specifically migraine headaches. So... I don't think I've ever had a migraine headache, so I don't know how bad it is for people. Have you known anyone with migraines? Well, that's what I was going to say. Is I, I know people that have had issues with it, and I guess when they get the migraine headaches, they just can't really do anything. No. Um, but like I said, in my shoes, it's hard to figure out how bad it is because I don't think I've ever had one. Yeah, I've only experienced it through other people as well. But I know someone that gets it probably, I'd have to ask him, but I would estimate maybe once a month or so. And when he gets them, he literally just has to, he shuts himself off from the world, turns off all the lights because, you know, it creates a huge amount of sensitivity to light. You know, they can get nauseous and so forth. It depends how severe it is and takes the medicine or whatever and just kind of sits there the whole day until it goes away. And there's not much they can do besides that. And, you know, he's tried a number of different things, but I'm just trying to highlight that the Family Medical Leave Act does provide for medical leave only to certain conditions. Obviously, a mere headache is not enough, but the Department of Labor has considered migraines as to be covered under FMLA as a uh, covered medical condition. Yeah, and that's basically what this is, despite the fact the picture is of a dog with an ice pack on its head. So <laughs> I thought migraines are only for dogs until you just informed me about no, that. Yeah, it's for people okay. too. And FMLA doesn't cover dogs, I don't believe. We'll have to check into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll look into that. But this is something for employers to think about because I can definitely see an abuse of the system as well because an employee that doesn't want to work just might say, hey, I have a migraine headache and I can't work and now you have to relieve me right now of working because it's covered under this act. But 
it's something for employers to think about because they can't just brush it aside like it's nothing. Yeah. I think it's probably people that are like you and I who've never experienced this, so we don't know how bad it is. I mean, if it's really like you say, and for your friend, if you know they basically have to shut off everything and you know just kind of be removed from the world, then yeah, you don't want them. What good are they going to do in the office at that point? Like they're not going to accomplish anything. Sure, it's probably only making it worse. And as long as they're not happening every day, I mean, once a month is manageable, in, in my opinion. Is if you hit a huge deadline and it's right before that, then you know, it's it's going to be worse. But it's, for the most part, this is something that employers can accommodate. It's it's pretty reasonable, I think. I think there's also a stigma of migraines. I don't know if the stigma is the right word, but I think a lot of people that haven't experienced it or known someone that has, has experienced it, there's a lot of people that just don't have much knowledge of it. And so it almost seems fake, right? Because they compare it to a headache they may have had. Like a migraine is not just a severe headache. It's much, much more than that from what I understand. So it's kind of hard to relate to unless you've actually seen someone that has one or had one yourself. Yeah, and just to get on the specific instance, this one woman took a four-day leave of absence for migraine headaches and as a result was terminated from her position yeah. for taking this exit. So probably wasn't the best decision on the employer's part anyways, but that's kind of how this all came about. And we should talk about that. For small businesses that are listening to this, they're thinking, okay, wait, now, as soon as my one of my employees gets a migraine or gets a some kind of uh, medical condition, they can leave and I can't terminate them? Well, Let's just talk about how FMLA doesn't apply to small employers because there's some subtleties to this rule. But basically, this FMLA applies to employers of 50 or more employees. And the employee also has to be there working, I think, for at least 12 months or a certain number of hours and so forth. And there's also different uh, variations as to how many employees per site and so forth. But generally, we're talking about large employers. If you have more than 25, then it kind of depends upon whether the 25 employees are at the work site or not and so forth, but within the 75-mile radius. But that's a little bit too much detail. But the point is, is that this is for larger employers that can probably afford, to a certain extent, an employee that's absent for a little bit of time. I mean, this was at Boeing, so obviously they're, yeah. they're more than... I think they have more than 25 employees. I think so. so. I think I have 26, if I kind of left. Yeah, 26. Just hired someone. The interesting about this too is the woman that ultimately got terminated actually applied for FMLA leave and then just was denied, or, you know, the supervisors, they knew about it. I thought that was interesting because she took the initiative and actually applied for this. Something that was, from what I can tell, is relatively new or at least, you know, not really heard of for under the FMLA. So the fact that she did that, took the initiative to do it, and they still said, we're not only going to say no, we're just going to fire you. It's a big issue. So the, yeah. the, Boeing definitely didn't make it any easier on themselves by doing this. But I think the takeaway for employers is, you know, just because it's something they haven't encountered in the past in terms of FMLA, like I said, it's usually, you know, some sort of, of pregnancy leave, something like that. But you have to think about it as long as they fit into the guidelines that you had of whether they have to abide by it. Yeah. And I want to specify that I mentioned 25 employees on a particular site, but overall within a 75 mile radius, there should be at least 50 employees. And the understanding is that, okay, well, if you have that many employees in one location, then you can afford to give up an employee if they have some kind of medical condition. All right. Well, Mondays are usually a little bit slow for us, but I think this is actually a pretty solid story to start off the week. Nice. I think we should just stop here and even for the week. <laughs> Not even get to the question. Not even get to episode 80. We should just finish all together.
This will be like, who wants to be a millionaire? So we'll read the question, but we don't have to answer it. We can choose to stop or... Okay. Is that how that game worked? I don't even know if that's even accurate. Yeah, you... Did they get the question first and then they decided whether they want to answer it? Or do they have to say, yes, I'm moving on, and then they got the question? I think so. I think they have. At least they should change it that way. Well, I don't think it's on anymore, but... Well, I, I still watch the reruns every day. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. This comes from somebody in Los Angeles. I want to hire an employee from a competitor, but I think he may have signed a non-compete. What can I legally do to steal him? That's interestingly <laughs> worded. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if steal is the right word. Yeah. How do you uh, legally steal something? Well, don't steal it. Oh, this is in Los Angeles, right? Or is it is LA for Louisiana? Louisiana, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Los Angeles. Well, we're going to go with Los Angeles because I don't know anything about uh, Louisiana law. Yeah, they have a different set of laws over there for sure. But actually, this is a common question even amongst clients because they'll be recruiting somebody, whether it's you know an upper-level employee or not, and we'll actually be able to have to review their employee agreement because there's a non-compete provision and also restrictions on trade secrets and so forth. So if we bring them on, we don't want to all of a sudden be exposed to liability as well. And it's really a case-by-case basis, but uh, generally, I think the only way to answer this is to actually view the non-compete, ask for a copy from the employee before you hire them. And I've had even cases where the non-compete may have been enforceable, but the employer negotiates with the former employer to basically buy out the employee. And if the employee is such an asset, that's pretty darn good for that person. I Kudos to them. You're exactly right. And I also think, too, that it's going to depend on what exactly this person does or how integral they are to the operation of their current employer. So you know, if it's one of many minor employees that works there and you're just trying to take them because they you know, are very talented, that might be one thing. But if it's... you know. <laughs> The second person in command of a company, you're gonna it's gonna be a much bigger issue. But yeah, I think you're right. View the non compete if they have it, and then it's gonna tell you a lot right but there. But this is also California, I forgot. So if especially if it's a California employee, but even if it's not, well, that's a different issue. But especially if it's a California employee, I mean generally non competes are not enforceable. There are circumstances that they are. So that's not a blanket rule, but it's a very small scope when it comes to that in California. I think the more interesting question is if the employee is outside of California and is moving to California and is employed that way, courts are actually split on that. And it's kind of a race to the court depending upon where the case is brought and which law they actually apply. We've had to deal with this and so forth. So it's it's not a very clear answer when it comes to that. So bottom line is, if you really want the person, you're going to have to hire an attorney. But also remember that this non-compete is between the employer and employee. And though that there are some causes of actions like interference of contract and so forth, generally you're not bound by those kind of restrictions. So keep that in mind as well. You know, I've actually heard multiple CEOs for companies in California just flat out say, 
you know, good luck enforcing a non-compete in this yeah. state. So, I yeah. mean, that's just kind of the mentality that you'll hear. I mean, whether that's true or not, that's one thing, but I think that's just the general mentality of business owners in California because they have seen that so many of them aren't unenforceable. And I don't think a lot of people even know that, really. It seems like it's kind of still out there as an unknown. Oh, yeah. I see the non-competes all the time. In fact, in California, there's laws, not only that it's not enforceable, there's laws against it. And the Department of Labor in California can actually enforce it and also institute fines against employers that do so, even though it's common. Because many other states do enforce employee non-competes to a certain extent. And so I think people are so used to, if you look up online, are non-competes enforceable? Most often what you'll see is that, okay, so it's enforceable if you restrict it by time, by place, and by certain restrictions. But then you have to make sure you look up by state too, because people don't realize that in specific states like California, it's just not enforced at all against public policy. Yeah. So that's a good answer. We could also use your answer from last week of when you gave advice to people on how to legally give negative reviews to your competitors. <laughs> I know. I was listening to that. I was like, why did I say that? Because that's not good. Well, hopefully only business owners are actually listening that are ethical. I actually had a tweet constructed basically saying today's episode, <laughs> co-host tells you how to legally get rid of your competitors, but I decided against it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to encourage that behavior. All right. Well, I think we answered that question. I appreciate sending that in. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. All right. Have a good one. Keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.